This is an Australian Museum podcast. Welcome to Amplify, a regular conversation featuring Australian Museum Director and CEO Kim McKay, speaking to researchers, scientists and other fascinating people from behind the scenes at the Australian Museum. Hi, I'm Kim McKay and welcome listening again on Amplify, our special podcast from the Australian Museum. And today I'm speaking with one of our great research scientists, Dr. Chris Reid, who's an entomologist with the Australian Museum Research Institute. Welcome along, Chris. Thank you. Hello. Now, Chris, you have such an interesting life because you get to go out in the field and work with those creatures which sometimes are annoying but sometimes we love in Australia, beetles. What got you interested in beetles? Um, I think it was uh, a general interest in natural history right from go. My, my mother has a photograph of me when I'm about 18 months examining a, a, a piece of grass or something in front of my face looking sort of vaguely interested. Um, I was actually far more interested in uh, other things and then when I went to secondary school I found there was a boy older than me who was already studying uh, the insects that I wanted to study. And so I, I looked around and I thought, no one's looking at this group of beetles, so I'll go and, I'll go and work on those. And it sort of stuck. It just stuck. Yeah. You mean beetle mania took over, literally. Beetle mania, but I, I, I was equally interested in fossils or archaeology or whatever. In fact, my, my, we used to drag my uh, brother, seven years younger, all around the archaeological sites of Ireland, and he ended up being an archaeologist. So where did he really? Yeah. Oh, good. We'll have to get him out. Yeah. Where in Ireland were you? Uh, up in the north, yeah. uh, near Belfast. Fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. Many beetles in Belfast. Uh, we were, we lived out in a country town, and uh, I had the uh, great luck of being involved in uh, a time when the museum in Belfast was moving uh, into new buildings, and they needed hands-on to move the uh, stuff. And so from the age of 12, I was a volunteer in the local museum and uh, I helped move everything. And then when it was all moved, they said, oh, uh, would you like to work during the summer holidays here and we'll pay your train fare? And my first job was sorting Southeast Asian kingfishers, uh, which I knew absolutely nothing about. And I think they didn't know anything about either, so it didn't matter. And my second job was setting butterflies and, you know, Right. Went from there. So that's amazing. So since the age of 12, you've really worked in museums. Yep. Amazing. Yep. Yep. Just, just I, staggering. I think uh, working in a museum is something I always wanted to do. Yeah. yeah. Now, you've been here at the Australian Museum for 17 years, I think. Yep. Which is, to a lot of people, a long time. But that's sort of the nature of museums, isn't it? Researchers come and because they're studying a large collection, it, it it's the place where they do their work. It. I think it takes a very long time to feel that you're the master of the subject. And, and actually, that's a sort of an arrogant statement because I don't think I, anyone is ever the master of their subject. But with a um, museum collection, you, you have vast numbers of specimens. Um, you have this great history of the collecting as well. Being in a museum is a, is a fantastic uh, way of really getting to know a subject. And yes, you're right, it, it takes a, a very long time. So how many beetles do we have in the collection here at the museum? 
I don't know how many beetles exactly, but I know we have estimated six and a half million insect specimens. That's a lot of insects. Uh, the problem with the numbers is that uh, a lot of our material is still unsorted in alcohol, so we don't really know exactly how many we've got. Mm. Amazing. Yeah. Now, in recent times, you've come to the public's attention, I think, because you've said quite a few things about a beetle that's well-loved in Australia, the Christmas beetle. And growing up in Sydney, of course, we had hundreds of them attached to the fly screen at night, swarming yep. around for the light. And it was part of Christmas. It just, just like Christmas bush, there were Christmas beetles. Yep. And everyone now says, what's happened to them? Has something happened to them? Um. I think something's happened to them, and it's two things that have happened to them. One is uh, the uh, cities like Sydney have spread, and they've spread particularly over agriculturally um, better, better land, which is the classic habitat of most of the Christmas beetles. So the, the western suburbs of Sydney are occupying the, the, the best habitat for Christmas beetles. So those beetles are no longer flying into the lights, they've gone. Mm. And I think the other thing is, um, I've been, I was asked about this recently, um, the other thing is we've had a succession of very hot, dry springs. Um, and I, uh, I, I normally see about uh, 30 to 50 specimens of Christmas beetles at the lights where I live in the Illawarra in, um, um, throughout November and December. And those have disappeared so I, I, in the last three years. So I suspect this climate change um, is having an effect on Christmas beetles, mainly because their life cycle involves the larvae living for long periods of time in the soil. Mm. And with drought, the soil dries out. Um, perhaps there's not enough moisture. Perhaps the um, larva dies or you know, can't get out. Yeah. So you've brought in some different specimens today, mm -hmm. different species of Christmas beetles. Mm -hmm. Can you tell me what they are? Well, I brought in uh, three different uh, classic uh, Christmas beetles. Um, so we've got the absolutely sort of bog-standard, um, slightly metallic brown Christmas beetle, which is the one that you're sort of it, talking about. It's, it's very gorgeous, though. Yeah, it's got the uh, lovely subtlety, yeah. uh, the, the play of metallic colours. And then we've got a rarer uh, species, which is a sort of deep, uh, brilliant metallic green. Uh, this this one was actually known as the king beetle. It's it is very large, isn't it? Yep. I mean, if you found one of those, it looks just like an Egyptian scarab. Yep. Yeah. Well, um, Christmas beetles are related to scarabs. Well, there so you that go. Makes sense. Yep. Yep. How insightful. You, maybe you could get a job here. I, I could. <laughs> oh, I have one. Yeah. <laughs> And the other one is a uh, relatively rare species that feeds on tea trees along riverbanks. So some, some, not all of them are common species coming to streetlights. Some of them are quite rare and habitat restricted. So what function do they play in our ecosystem? Um, the adults feed on leaves. So uh, they can uh, be pests. They can strip leaves off trees, especially eucalypts. So some of them are regarded as major pests. Uh, they, the uh, major research on Christmas beetles was done by CSRO in the 50s and 60s because they were implicated in dieback in the New England tableland. 
Um, they also destroy plantations of native eucalypts up in northern New South Wales. Um, they're also, um, the larvae are feeding in the soil, feeding on roots. So they can be pests of um, uh, especially grassroots like sugarcane in, in Queensland. So I'm sort of, I'm portraying a negative picture of them a bit, um, that they're, they're largely pests. I suppose their cultural interest is a, is a positive, the cultural interest in, the, in them is a positive. And of course all insects, if they're in the environment, they're they're pooing. They're pr- producing food for a bird. They're mm. they're all in there doing something. Um, they they're not they're not useless. What defines a beetle from other insects? Uh, beetles are insects that have an intermediate stage between the the baby, the larva, and the adult. So they have a pupa, but that's like butterflies and wasps. Mm-hmm. They uh, also have um, the front wings hardened as a uh, thickened uh, protective shield for the wings. And this this means that the um, adults often can live for a long time because their wings are not going to get tattered. You know, butterfly only has a relatively short lifespan because once the wing is damaged, that's it, it's kaput. With the beetles, uh, the, the wings are folded up under the, the, the hind wings are folded up under the forewings, they're protected, therefore they can live a long time. And another thing is they control their breathing system. Uh, with that cavity formed by the hardened forewings and the abdomen, uh, they have the, the breathing tubes are um, face into that cavity, and that means they can control moisture content and, and the temperature to some extent. So they're really very clever little species. Um, Clever is a sort of anthropomorphism. Yes, that, yes that is. They are. They're just uh, uh, particularly well adapted to the envir- to different environments. It, th- this control of their moisture, for example, means that there are many species in the desert. Now I know that in Australia there are what? How many species of beetle across Australia? Uh, again, we're estimating, so we're talking fifty thousand, perhaps. Wow. Yeah. Species. Overall. Yes. yes. So far more than all vertebrates uh, yeah. put together. And, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Now, you've done a lot of work recently, haven't you, up in Papua New Guinea? Yep. What have you been doing there? Uh, I've been involved with a DFAT-funded project uh, to capacity builds. Um, our host organisation is the uh, National Agricultural Research Institute, and uh, I've been teaching entomology but particularly crop and forest entomology and most of the people we're dealing with are people who are coming from uh, different government or non-government agencies involved with crops. I mean it's one of the interesting roles of museums isn't it not just to study an animal but also to share that knowledge with other communities Uh, and it can play a significant role in terms of that information in stopping invasion of pest species and managing situations, can't it? Yeah, very much. Um, some of the people we're teaching are from their, their quarantine agencies, and I also work with quarantine agencies here. Uh, quarantine is a big issue. Uh, I, I actually brought a small box of uh, the little tiny beetles. Those are um, uh, major pests of beans, and um, or, 
they look very similar to many other species that are not major pests. So, so being able to say this is the pest and this isn't the pest is, is, a, is a major problem. Yeah. Now, in that um, time you've been at the museum, what's been the most exciting thing that's happened to you here? Uh, I think probably the work on Lord Howe Island. Yeah. Was, yeah. I mean, for those the, people listening who don't know Lord Howe yeah. Island, it's about 700 kilometres northeast of Sydney, sitting in the Tasman Sea, and it's World Heritage listed. Yeah. It's dominated by two mountains, Mount Gower and Mount Lidgebird. And didn't you spend a, a while sitting on the top of one of them? Uh, I spent a week in the uh, igloo that's up on the top there for researchers, um, spending uh, a lot of time picking leeches off the inside walls every day. Uh, it rained absolutely every day. Mm. It, it, it absolutely poured. Um, but, it's, but it was a fantastic place. It fantastic. is. It's yeah. one of the most beautiful places in the world. In fact, I know people who say it's the most beautiful of all the Pacific yeah. Islands. Yeah. It, it's got the major advantage of never having been discovered by uh, indigenous peoples and only only being settled in the 1820s. So largely the subtropical rainforest that you're looking at is intact, and that's extremely rare. It is, and it's yeah. breathtaking. And also, I think it's also one of the southernmost coral reefs in the world. Southernmost coral reefs, yep. There is actually a species of beetle in that coral reef. Oh, is yep. there? Not one that I've found, but there is one, yeah. Um, but the, the, the terrestrial fauna, the, the, the beetles of Lord Howe are also fantastic. Two-thirds of them do. I've put together a list. There are 525 species just from that island, wow. and two-thirds are unique to that island. And this is an island that's only a kilometre wide and, and 11, 11 long. long. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Fantastic place. So yeah. it really is. It's it's a bit like Jurassic Park, isn't it? Sort of. The except the island's only seven million years old. Yeah. It's a little bit younger. Yeah. yeah. But it's wonderful to visit, and certainly for the Australian Museum, we've been researching up there since the 1800s. Yep. And so we've got a lot of data on the species of Lord Howe Island and also the coral yep. reef situation yep. there. So we'll be revisiting that in the future too. So I think you might get to go back and sit in that igloo. I'm hoping so. Maybe I'll skip the igloo. I'm sort of more <laughs> creature comfort now. Yeah. Well, I yeah. think there are nicer places to stay there now. <laughs> I'll send the technician up there. Good idea, a younger trainee. Well, look, Chris, I, we could actually talk all day about beetles because we've got so many of them here to talk about and because you've had so many adventures as well, not just here in Australia on Lord Howe Island but in many different parts of the world. So for next time, maybe we can talk a bit further. Just one last question. Do you give the beetles names at all? Yes, I do. Is there a... John, Paul, Ringo and George? No, sorry, I, I never really liked the beetles. I always preferred the stones. Oh, did yeah. you? Maybe I should have been a geologist. Maybe you should have. They're, boom, boom. So uh, entomologist Dr Chris Reed, not just an expert in his field or a master, we should say, of um, entomology, but also a bit of a comedian as well. Fantastic to have you and talk to you today. And uh, thanks for sharing these insights into these really beautiful creatures. Thank you very much. This has been an Australian Museum podcast.